Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 73. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Hey, uh, this week uh, we're still under uh, stay-at-home advisement, and we're talking with a pr- practitioner from the community whom we've gotten to know pretty well over a year of uh, years now. <laughs> Al Rashid is his name, and you had the idea to talk to him about what exactly? So I ran into Al when he was in Dallas last October for the VMUG UserCon, and he was actually giving a presentation. After we talked for a little while, I wanted to follow up on our presentation episode, episode 41, and get some nuggets of information from him. I won't give it away, but I really liked the way he approached his public speaking opportunity and thought it would have some great nuggets for our listeners. Let's find out if I was right. I'm really excited for everyone to hear part one of our interview with Al Rashid. Al Rashid, thanks for joining us on the Nerd Journey. Can you uh, give us a little bit of background on, uh, about yourself and uh, maybe tell us your social media contacts up front? Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to this episode. Uh, my name is Al Rashid. I am a systems administrator for a federal contract contractor here in the D.C. area. I'm an active member of the VMUG community. I'm also a member of various uh, tech advocacy, advocacy groups, including VMware the Expert. Nutanix Technology Champion, Cisco Champion, and Aveen Vanguard. Uh, I actively volunteer not only in the community in terms of tech, but also in the local community trying to give back to, uh, you know, those in need, social services, and so on and so forth. Um, You can find me on Twitter, Al underscore Rashid, and there you'll find more information about me, including the URL for my blog. Fantastic. Thanks again for being on the show, Al. Can you also give us a brief career history, just to give the listeners some perspective on how you got to where you are? Sure. So um, approximately 15 years ago, I stepped down from a long career in retail. Uh, long story short, I'd been with a local grocery chain grocery chain and their uh, management uh, program, and I'd done so for about 10 years. The money was good. The benefits were fantastic, but the hours were just painful. Uh just starting out young with my family. My kids at the time were approximately one and seven years old. The hours, as I just said, were long. There were days where I would work until midnight and be back four hours later at four in the morning. Saturdays and Sundays were a requirement. Uh, There was no getting around them because that's prime business for retail, especially for a grocery chain. So this is probably early 90s, early 2000s. I decided I'm going to take a risk on myself, but it obviously required blessing from my wife because you can't move forward unless you have support from your better half. And so with that being said, I stepped down from my full-time role in retail as a manager, uh, remained with the grocery chain in a part-time capacity. Uh, The reason being is I just wanted to continue working with them, 
while I adapted to my new career in IT, um, which was full-time. And money is always, unfortunately, a factor. So you've got to make up for some of the losses in some capacity. But one of the other factors that I had to consider was because I'd been with the grocery chain for so long, I didn't want to leave early before getting my severance. I did that for about three or four years, working both jobs, approximately 60 to 70 hours a week. It was challenging, but you know, when I look back, I don't regret it. I'm glad I did it. Um, IT, I've thoroughly enjoyed for the past 15 years or so, so it's been great. Can you maybe elaborate on that transition? It sounded like you stepped back from one job and started the new career immediately, but I would find it very difficult to do that without any prep or any um, maybe background in IT or interest or like, how, how did that go? Um, there were some concerns. It, it, it was a challenge. I, I was, I'll be honest, I was very nervous. I wasn't sure of what I was getting myself into. But, um, you know, if we go back to that time, like I said, late 90s, early 2000s, that was, you know, during the tech boom, everybody was getting into the industry. And um, I just wanted to, I, I was desperate for something else. And I was willing to do whatever, whatever it took, whatever costs, whatever sacrifices it was going to make. Um, but in terms of, you know, adjusting from retail full-time to IT full-time, but still remaining in a part-time capacity with my retail uh, job, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't challenging, but, you know, it, it was worth it. It was worth the effort because I would have disliked looking back, regretting my decision not to stay on board for those extra couple of years. Interesting. I mean, it just sounds like you didn't do any skills preparation, but or maybe I'm not hearing you correctly there. Uh, not much. It was the, the, So my first role in IT was strictly phone support, help desk. Mm -hmm. And um, the organization was willing to take a chance on me. And I'm very thankful for that opportunity. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about working with people, being on the phone with the end users, uh, listening to their um, issues and trying to come up with a solution. But um, it, it just eventually, I can't stress it enough. I, I, I'm glad I did it. Um, I can't, I, I hate to reemphasize it. Money was always a factor, mm -hmm. but it was worth the risk. It's like taking it, taking it upon yourself and saying, you know what, you have to draw a line in the sand and move forward with your life and career. So I'm really curious, Al, about how the transition went going from being a manager at a retail facility back to an individual contributor. Was it challenging to step out of the manager role and into the individual contributor role again? I wouldn't say so. Uh, I think I'm, what, what, I can, what I strive at is I don't have that manager's hat. I don't think uh, when I was in a manager's role – I didn't feel like I knew everything. I had every answer. People had to follow in my footsteps, yada, yada, yada. We had to work as one. We had to communicate together. We all had a common goal. And that was the mindset I took when I took on the uh, IT job. Uh, but as far as reporting to managers in this new role, it, it wasn't an adjustment whatsoever for me. It was actually very easy to move forward with. All right. Thanks, Al. Sorry for interrupting your flow. So you got into this, uh, into the IT industry, you kind of took an entry-level position, and then where did you go from there? Okay, so I remained with the help desk position for approximately two years, and by the time I left that company, I'd stepped down from my role as a part-time uh, in, the, in, the in, the in my retail role. So my next position in IT 
was at the Department of State, the Pentagon. I worked for a federal contractor. And um, that position was, if, if I had to rank each of my roles throughout my IT career, that one is the one I flourished the best in. That's the one that I enjoyed the most. That's the one that I learned the most. But most importantly, I had a group of individuals that had each other's back, but wanted to give everybody an opportunity to learn from the ground up, get your hands dirty, don't worry about making mistakes. I, we, we were extremely supportive of one another. I can't stress that enough. That sounds like one of the types of things that in retrospect you look back at and go, oh, that's one of the things that I treasure most about in a good work environment is coworkers in a, in a team where um, we're all supportive of each other and, and supportive of each other learning and, and the process of learning means making mistakes. Absolutely. If, I, if, if there's such a thing as hindsight, I regret leaving that role. Um, the main reason why I decided to leave that role, uh, and I'll get to it in a second with my next role in IT, is I wanted to be closer to home, closer to my family, closer to my kids. Um, money was not a factor whatsoever. It was actually a lateral move in terms of salary. But it was, I can't stress enough, it was closer to home. But yeah, like I said, if, if I could, knowing what I know now, uh, I'd probably have about 15 plus years with that in that role or not in that role, but with that organization and where I would be, I would be much further in my career than I am now. No, no regrets. It is what it is. Time to move forward. I've accepted my decision and uh, I, I, I'm happy with it. Um, from there, I accepted a, my next role in IT was for a local university and I worked there for approximately 10 years. And uh, as I stated earlier, it was definitely closer to home. It was approximately three miles from my house. So you guys can relate, especially you, John. The commute in that in your area can be brutal. So when you have a three-mile commute, it's worth every dollar, every second. Absolutely, time is one of those things you just can't get back. Absolutely. So uh, I, again, I was there for approximately ten years, and then I decided about seven years ago it's time to move on. Uh, no fault of theirs. I just I'd become kind of stale. I wasn't going to move up. Uh, it wasn't a challenge. And for the last seven years, I've been with this several with this uh, federal contractor, and um, I'm very blessed again because my commute is about about 15 minutes each direction. And did you have to get any type of security clearance as a requirement the first time you got on board for a federal contractor? No. So that's interesting that you bring that up, Nick. When I was at the Pentagon for approximately three years uh, in that window, and I believe I've shared this with you guys in the past, I was there on 9-11. I know that's kind of a side story, but my clearance was being being processed in my three years there, but I never obtained it before I left. And then when I went from there, I went to the university, as I mentioned. You don't re- that doesn't require clearance or anything of that nature. But in my current role for a federal contractor, I received my clearance within one year of being there. Got it. Got it. Thanks. And in your most recent role, um, how is that different than the university in terms of maybe the skills you needed or specialties you developed, if you don't mind me asking? No, you're fine. I think the skills are elevated. Um, How do I put The best way to put it is being at the university, not much changes when it comes to technology. As long as you're doing the job adequately, not much more is expected out of you. I know that probably doesn't sound right or come across as right, but it's very flat. There's no ups and downs. Uh, The technology at, at a state level doesn't change much. 
Now that I'm in a federal role for a federal contractor, the expectations are elevated. Technology is always changing. You have to adjust to the technology and the needs of your clients. My clients per se at the university was the faculty and staff and the students. Faculty and staff, they're long tenured. They've been there for many years. They don't change much themselves. Uh, and the students, they come and go. It's very interesting. It sounds like um, if you have a personality where that would be a benefit, um, where you're valuing stability over most other things and like slow rates of change, then that might be like a really terrific uh, technology role. And if you don't value that, if in fact that's a disadvantage and you know, that, that actually bothers you, then, then that can be a huge negative. So the, the situation is what it is and how you feel about it is the thing that's variable, right? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. If I wanted to remain at the university, I would have by now almost seven, over 17 years with them. Um, and what comes with that 17 years is stability, retirement, a pension, so on and so forth. The little things that we tend to overlook. Um, but when you, like I did when I transitioned over to the federal side of things, more money, but more problems, more challenges per se. But you have to have that mindset. If you're ready for it, take it. If you're not ready for it, you're going to probably fail. It's 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 not a very it's not as easy as a transition as most people make it out to be, uh, especially in, in, in for my organization in my current role. It's a team of four of us. We provide support for our corporate employees, which are approximately 260, but that doesn't take into account the number of clients that we have to support outside of that number. So you add on to that another 2,000 contractors, external clients. You know, that can be stressful. It can be challenging, but, you know, you adapt, you learn. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still just kind of stuck on this idea of there's certain jobs that can push you forward in terms of what it is that you need to do. And again, if that's what you want, then that's a positive. If that's not what you want, then it's a negative. Right. And the same thing for stability, right? If that's what you want, stability and technology platforms and expectations, um, then that that's a positive. And if what you want is to be pushed forward and, and have the requirements constantly elevated, then stability is in that situation a negative. I just hadn't thought about like the environment as a, is a neutral and what you need out of the position is what makes it positive or negative. Right. Like here's really maybe the easiest way to put it. When I worked at the university at the beginning of every semester for the first, let's say leading into every semester. So let's say two weeks prior to the semester beginning and two weeks after it began, that month is the most challenging aspect of my role. Because you're prepping workstations, you're prepping the work, you know, the environment, you're getting faculty and staff on board, getting them prepared for the academic year. Does anything change from, let's say, early September until that following June at the end of the academic year? Almost very rarely. And sadly, but truthfully speaking, you find yourself just waiting for something to do, waiting for that challenge. Uh, you know, it. It's twofold. I accepted those conditions. I became, for lack of a better way of putting it, stale. And I probably realized later than I should have that it was time to move on. But I don't have any regrets. I'm glad I did so. Yeah, I hear you. Now, where along the lines did you start to get involved in um, technology communities? Was that like more in your last position, the one that you're in now, or was it earlier on? I would say the one I'm in now. 
And as you guys have probably both heard, I got involved prior to VMworld 2017 uh, when I entered a uh, contest to uh, potentially win a pass to attend VMworld 2017. And uh, I haven't looked back since then. I can't say it enough. I was very humbled and blessed by the opportunity that was given to me. I actually still get a little, uh, you know, on the inside uh, butterflies or however you want to describe it. It's it's heartwarming to know that there are individuals or our groups that are looking out for others. And you don't even have to know them. Uh, Jorge Torres and William Lamb gave me that chance. And what I wanted to do in return, John, just to answer your question, is give back to others that are that were or are in the position that I was in at that time. I didn't know there was a community. I didn't know there were people outside of those that you work with you know, five days a week, 40 hours a week that want the best for you, that want to help you succeed and build you up and so on and so forth. So after getting back from VMO 2017, that's when I first, A, reached out to my VMUG, uh, just give, um, uh, let them know of my interest in becoming a VMUG leader here in D.C., and I was very surprised that almost immediately uh, Brad and his group wrote back to me, provided me with the application, filled it out. And then within a week later, I was approved and accepted. I haven't looked back. I love it. I cherish it. Uh, I, I welcome opportunities uh, to meet with folks that I would have never imagined ever meeting in my life. You guys are prime examples. But I've been to places that, you know, truthfully speaking, it would have never happened without the community. So I want to continue giving back. Sometimes maybe in the back of my mind, I think maybe I'm doing, if there's such a thing as too much, but I don't think they're you can never go wrong with being humble, nice, and giving back. Yeah, absolutely. So wait, are you saying that that year that we first met where you already had a spreadsheet of people to meet, that was the first, really, the kickoff to your exposure to the community? Honest to God truth, that was my first time. And I was I was nervous as heck, man. I remember uh, when, I, when I arrived in Vegas, and we've all been to Vegas for various you know, reasons for personal or professional but um, I didn't know what to expect with the size of VMworld, um, the magnitude and, and the amount of sessions and, and places to see and people to visit and hang out with. So, um, you know, I, I, I still have the photo somewhere of myself with Ariel, Jorge, and Prabhu. And um, it's great. It's fantastic. And it was, the, it was definitely what kicked off my interest in the community. Yeah, I can definitely see, especially if you trip across Ariel, like he'll he'll kick you in the butt hard enough to get you involved in the community. That's for sure. Yeah, voluntold, as they say. <laughs> well, what's fantastic about being a part of a community like this is it really helps you learn to adapt to different work environments. And, you know, you went into a very dynamic work environment that some people crave from one that was a little bit more predictable. Yeah. But... What I really wanted to dig into, Al, as it relates to VMUG, is you and I actually crossed paths in person this past year at the VMware User Group UserCon in Dallas, and you happened to be doing a presentation there. And I asked you to be on the show as a follow-up to our episode 41 on presentations. So let's, let's dive into what that experience was like for you. We'll start with what was it that made you want to submit a session to speak in the first place? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, first and foremost, uh, branding and networking. It gives you exposure and it connects with people and, and, and organizations that you know you would never meet or have a chance to do so. 
but also I wanted to challenge myself. And again, I can't stress enough, challenge is important to me because I don't want to become a flatliner. I don't want to remain static. I want to continue in a dynamic trend. You know, I speak uh, in front of my coworkers. I present here and there, but these are people you see day in and day out. You know, there's a commonality. You, you have a comfort level with them. You can kind of talk to them as your boy, you know, that, you know, as a friend, that sort of thing. But I wanted to be in a little bit more of a professional speaking environment or an opportunity. And not to say that it isn't where I am, but, you know, just at, at an elevated platform. So I, 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 I welcomed it. I challenged myself. I'm glad I did so, but I never thought I would be accepted. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, it was great. It was a great opportunity. How did you go about selecting the topic that you were going to be speaking on? Like, did you pitch a couple different things, you know, kick them around your head? Or was there something specific that you were pursuing in your head already that you wanted to dive deep on and, and present? So the topic was pretty straightforward. It, it was a topic that I um, presented on uh, previously um, as being part of the Veeam Vanguard program, uh, Rick Vanover from Veeam. Uh, provided me an opportunity to speak with fellow vanguards at Vimon last May in Miami. And the topic itself was combating ransomware. It's a, it's a pretty deep topic. It's pretty relevant, regardless of what industry you're in uh, or what vendor or technology that you provide. And um, we speak a lot about ransomware in our environment. And I just wanted to continue piggybacking on that topic. And I thought, why make it harder on myself? It would be nice, even though I said many times I like to challenge myself, but being that this is the first opportunity that I was going to speak at a VMOG, I wanted that transition, that experience to be relatively low maintenance or not as stressful as it should be. So I wanted to find something I was comfortable with and combating ransomware was it. Nice. So it was a, it was a high comfort topic for you and maybe your your knowledge had advanced a little bit since the last time you had given it so you could you could build and you know build on something instead of having to build something from scratch yeah that's a good point because my experience at vmon and speaking with fellow vanguards it was uh, it was a learning opportunity i was as nervous as heck i'll be lying to you guys if when i was standing behind the stage before my name was called I was sweating bullets, as they say, and uh, Rick and the others were tremendous and just kind of bringing me down, calming my nerves down and saying, look, this is how it's going to work. You're just going to be on stage. And all we want is you to be out, the out that everybody knows. Don't do anything that you're not comfortable with. Speak on your level. Speak at a tone that you're comfortable with. And from there, once you say those first few words, it's like nothing. It's easy as you know what. So just roll with it. So that's how I felt with the Dallas UserCon. But to your point, John, uh, when they accepted me, when they invited me, my first thought was, I can't wait. Let's do this. I want, I'm eager. I want to jump in, you know, head first, like they say, into a swimming pool. Let's get this ball rolling. It sounds like it sounds like you and I approach it a little bit differently, Al. I found that what happens to me is I'll get this idea for a topic that I may or may not have ever given a presentation on and if it gets if it gets accepted then I'm like okay I guess I have to build the presentation now. Right. Maybe maybe it just holds me more accountable. But I agree with you in the whole iteration aspect. You can always improve and and expound upon something you've done and I think I think you did a great job. Well, now you. If I remember right, I wasn't actually able to go to that session because I was filling in for someone else at the exact same time. But I'm curious, 
how did you prepare for giving this particular presentation and how was it different maybe than the first time you gave a form of that presentation? Um, I didn't want to just speak word for word and stare at my computer or my laptop or stare at the white, uh, the uh, projection screen. Uh, my goal was to have an effective, polished presentation without boring my audience. I wanted to have them engaged, interact, but also I wanted to have their attention. And when I say attention, I didn't want them to just sit there and just listen to me speak, but I just wanted to see that look on their face like, you know what, this is relevant. This is useful information. I can take this back to where I work and apply some of this. And maybe some of it wasn't, A, they weren't aware of, or B, maybe they used the technology that I just covered but they can further build upon it or, or they can do the same for me. Maybe there's something that I didn't discuss in my presentation that I wasn't aware of. And maybe one of the attendees can, you know, get back to me and say, look out, your presentation was spot on, but just so you know, you can do this as well. So it's twofold. I, I don't want to sound like I knew I, I know everything and I'm the final say. Uh, I want it to be, you know, a two way street, as they say, and I want us all to interact and have a good time doing so. But additionally, I didn't want to go in wearing t-shirt, a t-shirt and a pair of jeans. I wanted to treat this in a professional manner. So I had slacks, a button-down shirt, dress shoes, and I just wanted to give the appearance as though I was in an interview. You know, here I am, I'm presenting, but I'm going to treat it like an interview because you never know where this might take me moving forward. I'm yeah. going to pick on John here. So John, what's your take on how to dress for a presentation? Because I know we talked about how to dress for an interview in episode nine, one of my personal <laughs> favorites. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, Al is spot on. Like, you have to dress as if, I mean, the, the issue is unless you are at a certain point in your career and presenting to a certain audience, one of the first things you have to do is get credibility, right, and relevance. So if part of that for you is feeling comfortable in yourself about projecting a sense of, you know, competence and, and relevancy by, you know, dressing up a little bit, then that's what you do. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you walk out on stage with like a, you know, top coat, you know, and, uh, you know, top hat and tails. Right. But, um, you know, whatever it is that you need to do to feel good, I think is, is one of the things that, you know, leads to you actually doing well, right? So feel good, do good. That's you know, a that, few words out of my mouth. And that's how I actually approached Vimon. And, and there were others, you know, not even my wife and kids, they said to me, you're, you're overdressing, you're overdoing it. You're just going to say a few words. You've got a three-minute window. I said, that three-minute window can make or break me. And that, that was my mindset. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't regret how I dressed, and I would highly recommend others do the same thing. Um, you're always going to be judged you know, how in, in your last opportunity. So don't, don't slip up. Don't, don't take it for granted because you never know who's looking at you. That's true. That that's a really, really good point. I mean, I, I suppose you could extend that to any conference that you go to in any moment. I mean, it's not like you have to dress for an interview 24 seven, but you never know what conversation you're going to be in. So you want to, per, you know, present yourself, you know, relaxed professional, right. Um, and not, you know, kind of like the way that you would do with, you know, your best friends from junior high, right? Because, because that's not the audience, right? The audience is someone who could be, you know, literally offering you 
um, your next job opportunity, or as you know, even as low level as you know, wow, you seem to know a whole lot about this. Would you like to come do a presentation to this other group at another you know user group? Um, so again, it could be a low stakes opportunity. It could be a high stakes opportunity. And, that's a good point. I mean, actually, if I could go back to the uh, VMworld 2017, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I look back at some of the photos that, that I was in, I was wearing a pair of, you know, gym shorts and a T-shirt. You know, everybody, to each their own, whatever. But when I look back, I was like, what was I thinking? What was, you know, I, you know, it, I didn't want to treat it like high level, very serious, but, you know, I should have been a little bit more professional about my look, I guess, if you want to put it that way. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I would, you know, again, kind of push back on that just because, you know, you're going to a, a conference and you're going to be walking like three miles a day, you know, like in sitting in packed rooms with other people. So there's a balance, right? Like whatever you needed to do to feel comfortable in that situation, you know, sometimes you need to dress down to bring yourself down to a level of, you know, just comfort and, and relaxation um, to really get the most out of out of whatever's going on. And then, you know, as you get more comfortable in that situation, um, you know, the second conference you go to, the third one, even if it's, you know, not that large stage, you know, then you, you've had the experience and you can calibrate, you know, well, like probably would be comfortable enough in these clothes, but also present the image that I would want to present, you know? Mm -hmm. So you go from like t-shirt to polo or, you know, something like that, you know? Yeah. And it's not like being in gym shorts and, Tennis shoes makes you look like a hobo, unless you were wearing a shirt with a bunch of holes in it. And, no, or if you had yeah. a bindle. But as, if I can go back, also as far as my presentation, um, my final draft was not com- was not complete until the morning of the event. Oh, we call that the Nick Cordy method. Oh, so Nick's Nick's been in my shoes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well, John. <laughs> yeah, Just I'm, because of VMworld last year, that happened to me. Too funny. <laughs> I can, Sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. I mean, I could relate. I just, it was, part of it's my own doing. Uh, maybe uh, the mindset of being or attempting to be a perfectionist finally got the best of me. Um, I would say most of my presentation was complete, prepared, and ready. But there were just the final few touches that I was kind of debating on, a couple of images, a few words, or how I was going to approach, you know, a particular slide. But, um, you know, I just, I, I don't, again, I can't stress enough, I don't regret it because the worst thing I can do is not take that opportunity and spend five minutes and better prepare myself and not do that and look back and question why I didn't do that in the first place. So... Uh, you know, I actually walked down, I, I went down the elevator from my room at the kickoff of Dallas UserCon. I believe it started at 8.30 or maybe 9 a.m. And my presentation wasn't slated, I think, until 11 or 11.30 in the morning. As soon as I got to the conference room floor, if you want to call it that, I literally did a 180, went back to my room and did more prep for another hour. And I don't regret it. I was probably, again, more nervous than necessary, but I just wanted to be safe than sorry. Well, I think that you you mentioned, um, you know, just maybe overthinking it. The, the worst thing, I think, the opposite of that is to not have considered things, right? So there's a fine balance between overthinking every point and then somebody, you know, later on asking, have you thought about presenting it this way? And you go, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about, 
I hadn't even put any thought into that point at all, right? Uh, you know, I wrote the, the first draft and I didn't think about it until I said it out loud on stage. You right. know, so there's, you know, two opposites and falling somewhere in between the two is probably the, the fine point, you know, that that balance of, of being, you know, I don't know, there or close. Well, Nick, I can see why you wanted to use this as a follow-up for episode 41 on doing presentations. Al really, really knocked out of the park when it came to talking about presentations. Yeah, he did. I really like the fact that he was encouraged to speak at first and that someone made him comfortable in the beginning on his first opportunity, and that was Rick Vanover. So kudos to you, Rick, and, and thanks for doing that. It seems like sometimes people just need that extra nudge in the right direction before they really surprise themselves and get to that next level. Yeah, and uh, I really liked his motivations too. He's uh, really pushing himself to grow, you know, getting out of his comfort zone. And uh, we said it in the episode, but wow, he does a ton of preparation. Um, And speaking of preparation, we should prepare to get out of here. Anything pop into your mind before we leave? No, sir. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at NerdJourney. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White, at the journeyman for Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore, signing off. Adios. Adios.